I hope y'all are doing well this week. I hope that if you had a rough week, you know that week is over. Today is a new day, and I hope that by the end of this night, you will walk out here feeling that your time is worth it because you are worth it. Amen? Amen. That being said, I want to jump straight into a video that really blessed and encouraged me, and it happens to deal with something I did a lot growing up. That's running and cross-country. You can play it. But it's running and cross-country, and it's a very powerful testimony of what to do when it comes to doing well. Are y'all amazed by that? Maybe it's just me, but I find it amazing that this girl ran a race like that, tripped up, fell that far behind, yet she was able to catch up and beat everyone. But what inspires me more than that is the simple fact that this girl was able to finish well regardless of what came at her. And that is what we'll be talking about tonight as we look into the book of Luke, continuing with Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. And our focus tonight is going to be specifically on the life and the trials of Christ and how he was able to finish no matter what came at him. And the main question we're tackling is up in the PowerPoint. How do we start right and end well? How do we start right and end well? Why is it an important question, you ask? Well, the reason why it's important is this. How you go into something or continue in it will always determine how you come out of it. How you enter into something or continue in it will always determine how you're going to go out, how you're going to come out of it. So again, how do we start right and end well? Well, and one of the first things you got to keep in mind, if you're going to be able to start right and finish well, you got to be able to follow the signs or no instructions. Case in point. If you see a stop sign and think, oh, that's a nice suggestion, maybe it's considering me to stop and reflect or process something, you're probably going to get a ticket if you run past a stop sign or you're going to wreck your car and you may kill somebody or be killed yourself. Another example, if you see a stop, if you see a, a stop light and it says red, but you think, oh, well, that's a nice color and keep on driving, what will happen? You'll probably die. Or you'll be able to have something else crazy happen. You see a no smoking sign, there's a big old can of gasoline or <laughs> gasoline, uh, a, 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 a gas station somewhere, and you light up, what's going to happen? You're going to blow up, right? You believe you're going to blow up, right? If you light, okay, I'm just making sure. If you smoke in areas where you're not supposed to smoke, something crazy is going to happen. The bottom line is that you see signs all around you. And at the end of the day, you have to know how to follow the signs and follow instructions if you're going to be successful. If you don't know how to follow instructions, you will crash. Likewise, if we don't know how to follow God the way he calls us to follow his lead, then when stuff comes at us, we too will crash. So let's go into the book of Luke and see what happened in Christ when he followed God so that we can know how we can also learn to follow the Lord in the same way. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Well, for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. First things first, Jesus, if you read the text, was in a very rough place. Specifically, he was in the desert of Judea. Judea is a very barren, empty, and hot place. You ever been outside where it's hot? Who has been, who has been in a burning hot car before? I had it where my mom locked me in the car at times and said, stay here, I'll be right back. And four hours later, we're like, Lord Jesus. But we survived it. It's a very miserable experience being hot. Imagine being in a desert for 40, month, 40 days in a hot, burning desert. There's no tent, no lemonade stand, no juice. It's just you and hotness. And on top of that, you read the text and what does it say about Christ? He was hungry. Whoever here has been hungry? But that, I don't mean hungry. Like, I mean hungry. Like, when you're about to shed a tear, you feel like you're one of those kids in the commercials that haven't eaten in like 100 days. 
You know what I'm talking about? Who's ever been hungry? What happens when you get hungry? You do things you don't, what? What's up? You get desperate. What else happens? You break down. You get cranky. What else happens? You hallucinate. Give me something else. You snap. What else? That too. <laughs> all those things that you said are awesome things because they deal exactly with what I was going to bring up. See, when you get hungry, after seven days, something's said to happen. You get nauseous. You get dizzy. You get sick. You start to lose weight and look bad. And if you're not careful, given enough time, you will die. Now, again, that's just after a couple of days of not eating food. Try 40, month, try 40 days. 40 days of no food in a hot, burning, miserable desert. That is what Christ was up against, y'all. It was not a small deal that he was in those kind of circumstances. Probably didn't look too good. He was probably really famished, probably had a lot of extreme weight loss. He was probably near death, probably cranky, hallucinating. On top of that, he doesn't know where he is because when you get really hungry, you lose track of where you are. And on top of that, the only person he has for company besides the Holy Spirit is who? The devil. Can you imagine having the devil as a car buddy ride for four hours? Can you imagine a whole 40 days of the devil just sitting there with matzah and sandwiches like, mm, there's some good chicken. You want some juice? Oh, <laughs> you can't eat. That's not what he had to deal with. That's what Christ had to deal with for that long of a time, and yet not one time that Jesus complained about it. Why? Because he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for the purpose of being trained and tested. After, like Pastor Stefan talked about last week, God publicly told Jesus Christ, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased to let him know that he was accepted. He knew that he was led into this really rough place, and that's important because of the following point. You'll not finish well if you don't expect to be tested. A lot of us want to finish well, but we don't know what that means. Question, what do you want to do when you grow up? Do you want to be a pastor one day? Do some of y'all want to be teachers? Do some of you want to be athletes? Do y'all want to do great things? Are you sure about that? You do know that if you're going to do great things, you're going to have to go through some kind of training and testing. I don't want a doctor operating on me because of good intentions. When he's opening me up because I have a broken, I have a, I have a, I have a lung infection, and I ask him, are you certified? Oh, no, but I hope it goes well. No. You have to know that this man has been trained, tested, and certified. Likewise, Jesus himself knew that he had to be trained and tested if he was going to save the world. His mission was to save all of mankind from falling into temptation and falling into sin. But how could he do that if he couldn't save himself from giving the temptation? If Jesus couldn't save himself from the things that we go through, he had no basis trying to keep us from falling into that. And so in order to do his mission, he had to go through some serious, intense training. And remember, when did the devil come at him? When he was hungry, at his weakest point. Why is that important? Because if you and I can overcome the things, the difficult things in our life, when we're at our weakest point, it'll be easier to overcome more difficult things in the future. See, a lot of us forget that when it comes to testing and training, we want things to be easy. We want to do ministry, we want to do great things, but we don't realize that at some point it's going to require you being at your weakest in order to be successful. And only at your weakest point can you prove that God has qualified you for ministry. Does that make sense? Let's keep on going and see how this looks like for Christ. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
Now, it's funny, we talked about, as Pastor Tommy and others talked about previously, that Jesus himself grew up knowing the Word of God. He was debating uh, the religious teachers of his days, the rabbis, and he knew the Scriptures. So I find it funny he was full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. Why is it important? You have to be both led by God and full of God to be successful. You've got to be both led and full. It's not enough to be led by God into whatever you feel him calling you into. You've got to ask yourself, how much of, am I full of him right now, or am I full of my own desires, my own wants, my own agendas? You've got to find out how much you are full of him. It's like driving. I want to pass a driver's test. Who here wants to drive? You've got to go through a driver's test, and your driver instructor wants you to succeed. But you have to make sure that you're full of the things you need so that you can succeed. You've got to study the manual. You've got to know what it means to parallel park, what it means to turn right or left, and be full of that wisdom. So that when the driver instructor tells you, go left or go right, you won't mess up. Picture this. 2002, youth group, sophomore year. I had two very close friends. We did music ministry together. The, daughter was, the girl was a, daughter, was a niece of the youth pastor, and we were tight like this. And we did ministry together, and she inspired me. And she was the, guy that, who was, who, the guy who she was dating, he was also close to me also. But something happened at one point where she came to me and said, Gabriel, your mom is saying all these mean things about us and not supporting us as a couple. And she started saying all these leaders were standing up against us, and we don't want conflict in our relationship. So what did I do? I felt led to defend them because God hates strife. That was a God-given desire, so I went with it. I felt led to defend them and stand against anyone who disagreed. The problem? I wasn't full of the Spirit. So had I been full of the Holy Spirit and full of what God's Word says, what His Spirit said in the Word, I would have known that you never take sides about getting the truth. If I had been full of God's Spirit, I would have known that a gossip separates close friends and the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. Because sure enough, when I just jumped into something, you know what happened? It turns out that the guy, my friend, was sleeping around with half the girls in this youth group. She didn't know about it. She told her mom and dad only her side without getting all the facts. Her family was too proud to actually see if they were wrong. And as a result, within six months to a year, our youth group was cut in half. And it was already a wilderness experience, y'all. It was already difficult enough. And had we been full of the Spirit rather than full of ourselves, we wouldn't have seen it. You had to be both full and led. Let's keep going and see how that looks like for Jesus. Again, when you're not full, when you're full of Him, you won't be full of mistakes. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, I find it interesting that Satan came to Christ with a question that was based on this one issue. Who are you? Keep in mind, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being the Son of God. Remember that. In order to be the Son of God, you've got to prove that you are eternal, that you existed before the world began, that you are qualified to save the world, that you really are the Messiah sent to save all of Israel. There's a lot of pressure. And so the devil tried to come at Christ to get him to question who he was. And this is what he did to make it happen. He said, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Jesus, because he was full of the word, full of the Holy Spirit, he could bring up that same word in difficult times. But had he not been full of the Holy Spirit before the temptation happened, he would have no way of resisting the devil in the middle of it. And guess what? At that point in time, there were a lot of reasons to turn stone into bread. It would have seemed really legit to say, you know what, I'm hungry, and I am the Son of God, so let me turn ahead and get these stones in the bread. I'll make them honey buns and chicken and sandwiches. You know, I would, do, I would do all of that because at that point, if I don't know God's Word, I'm going to go for what makes me comfortable. 
I'm going to go for what satisfies my desires above what God wants. And that's what the devil tried to do. He tried to get Jesus to forget that it wasn't anything wrong with his desire to eat, but he was going to do that against God's authority. There's nothing wrong with having good desires, like wanting to be successful, to have comfort, if you're wanting to date, to have a girlfriend, boyfriend, to have sex. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but you have to do it within God's authority. Because if it goes against what his word says, and you're willing to violate what God's word says to get what you want so badly, then you put yourself in the devil's territory. Because who is the devil? The father of lies. And when you support anything except truth, you're having a conversation with Satan. It is what it is. Let's keep on going and see what happens with Christ. Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. When the devil suggested something that was against Christ, Christ simply brought up that word of the spirit that he was full of. Let's keep on going and see how this plays out. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms in the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. And it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to if you worship me. Question, is Satan good or bad? You sure about that? 100% stream bad? Okay, so if he is truly bad, 100% bad, then does it make any sense to say that I'm going to obey Satan and do what goes against God to somehow get what God wants me to have? Makes no sense what the devil came to Christ with. You got a mission, you want to save the world. I'm going to help you in your mission, but you got to bow down and worship me, and you got to go against what God already said. You want a practical story for how this looks like? This is what happened for me in high school, y'all. I had many people in a Christian high school doing things that went against what God's word says. Atheism. Party like a rock star, the crazy party lifestyle, getting drunk, sleeping around, stealing, cheating on tests, and they didn't study, and a whole bunch of other craziness, and they will often try to convince me to go with it. Why? Because in their minds, well, if your intentions are good, that's all that matters. So you should go ahead and stop compromising. You should stop, you know, trying to be holy, holier than thou, gave and just go with it. But because of God's word, his spirit being full in me, I was able to resist it. And it cost me deeply. I had times I was depressed, times I was lonely, times I got mocked and made fun of. But the consequence of that is that I can look back now and have no shame and no regret because I realized that I don't have to compromise in order to get the blessing that God was going to give me. Jesus didn't compromise on his mission because he knew what he was about. And as we see further, he kept responding with what God said, worship the Lord your God. Let's see further what Christ does as we get ready to come close. The devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand the highest point in the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will not lift your foot against you. They will lift you so that in your hands, but you won't strike your foot against a stone. Question, was that scripture in context? Actually, you don't even know that scripture is probably most of you. That's Psalm 91. That scripture was talking about how to trust in God so that no matter what comes against you, you can know that God will take care of you. What the devil did was try to get Jesus into thinking that if you go ahead and do something stupid, then God's going to back you up. (laughs) You ever had those dumb friends say, well, if you really are smart, jump off this cliff. Jump, jump. You see those people do that? People that say, hey, if you're really smart, go ahead and dare devil. Do something dumb. The devil tried to dare Jesus to do something stupid. But Jesus didn't go with it. Why? Because he knew who he was. See, Jesus had already grown up studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God daily, and knowing who his father said he was. So when the devil tried to dare him to go against God, Jesus said no, because God the Father already said this is how we do things. And that's important for the following reason. Principles 
Rather than pressure, I want secure servants respond to. Principles and not pressure. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, the bottom line is that who you are under pressure is who you really are. If you need money to go pay for something and you steal from your brother or sister without them knowing and then say, oh, I was just borrowing, bottom line is you weren't borrowing. You are a thief at heart under pressure. If you have it where your girlfriend, you know, I call it the girlfriend stuff I saw in high school, girl, I got your back. You know, it's all good. Don't worry about it. You're my girlfriend. I got you. And then you find that your girl has not only told all your business to 20 people, but she let other people talk about you and her responses, you know how it is. I'm just timid. The truth is that under pressure, you are a coward who will sell out your friends for the sake of feeling comfortable. If under pressure, you want to please somebody to the point where even if what they say goes against Jesus himself, because you're so desperate to keep that person under pressure, you show that you are an idolater. The bottom line is what you do under pressure shows who you really are. And if you have the truth of God in you, that will come up. If it's not in you, it won't come up at all. And you shouldn't resist how things happen in pressure because guess what? When things under pressure bring out the bad stuff you don't want to see, that's an opportunity for you and I to say, God, fix me. Jesus was not a person who would give in to pressure. He was all about principle. And it's something I had to live with myself. When I had family and friends who were wanting me to do things under the, under the, under the basis of pressure, but I resisted it, and God backed me up. Why? Because I knew at the end of the day that Jesus is who I want to like me more than you. Because I was a person of principle and not pressure. I had family members that came to me years later, pressuring me to do things and then try to pull the card of, well, I'm your elder, and if you don't do what I say, then you're against Christ. But it took me having guts to say, I'm going to stand for truth, even if you dislike me. Because if Jesus said, don't do it, that's the bottom line. And if his word is violated, I'm going to go with him above having you in my life. And they came back later on and told me, we appreciate the fact that you had integrity. You were a person of principle and not persons of pressure. And when you give into principle, you will be able to stand against the things coming against you. If you can't do that, then most likely you won't fulfill your calling. And in fact, if you give into anything that's against Christ under pressure, you show one thing and one thing alone. You're a spiritual wimp. But God hasn't called you and I to be wimps. He's called us to be people that stand strong for him. And it came in handy for Christ because look what happened afterward. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus was able to resist the devil because he was full of God's word, full of truth, and the devil left him. Now, the test didn't end, just to let y'all know. It, come, it came back for Christ later on because you're always being tested and trained. But because Christ was a person of truth, more things happened. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Because Jesus was going through difficulty in times of pressure, what happened was that his character was developed so that he could be qualified to have the power of God. You can never have the power of the Holy Spirit if you don't have the character of the Holy Spirit. How could Christ say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Listen to me, if under hard times he didn't stand for truth. If he couldn't stand up to family members or close friends or the devil himself when it came to standing for truth, he couldn't access God's power because God would not give that. He will only give his power to people that want to reflect his nature. But when you have God's character in you and you say yes to God and are full of his truth, you have power to be effective in ministry, to be at your max, but it will cost you. And pressure is different for each of us. 
You may have pressure to cave into things that God says don't do, like gossiping or stealing. You may have pressure to please people when they're asking to go against what God's word says. It's not just what happens when you're in high school with bullying. It can happen when you're dating somebody and your spouse or your dating partner wants you to do something to people that Jesus said don't do. But if you love Christ, you will choose him and you'll have his power. If you don't trust Christ, you may get what you're looking for, but you'll lose him in the end. Guess what would happen if Christ had decided to temptation, give the temptation? He could have gotten the ministry. I guarantee you, he could have came back and in his divinity done miracles and preaching and said, I'm an awesome rabbi or pastor, but he wouldn't have had the power. In fact, his character would have disqualified him from that because he was more content with having a position than saying, I have your character in me. And that's something that God wants all of us to have tonight. If I can have my leaders come up front, I have one question. I had three, but I'm going to stick with this one question that we're going to deal with tonight. After realizing what we said earlier, how you go into something always determines how you come out of it. Jesus went into a difficult time full of God's spirit and under the leading of God's spirit, and he was able to come out in the power of God's spirit, but it will require a cost, a cost to you. So this question I want you to consider tonight, how are you under pressure? How are you under pressure? If you need prayer tonight and you want to be full of God's spirit, please come up tonight. We're here to pray for you. If you feel that you're under pressure and you've done things that God said don't do and you find yourself trying to fight against it and justify it, come up tonight. God wants to fill you. And if you're finding difficulty with standing up for truth, come up tonight. God wants to fill you. But if you don't need prayer, please turn to your neighbor and discuss who are you under pressure and ask the Lord to work in your heart so that at the end of the day, no matter who it is, you will stand for truth. You will be full of the Spirit, you will be full of Him, and you will finish well, because God wants you to finish well. God, bless tonight, move in all of us, and do amazing things in us, Lord God, so that we can stand well for you, and we thank you, Lord God, for you finishing well first, Jesus. In the, na in the, in the name of Christ we pray, amen.